the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Some portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. If God has been unrighteous with Israel, then you can throw this gospel right out the door. If God has ever been unrighteous with anyone, then there is no gospel because the gospel is founded upon the righteousness of God. Do you understand? That's what he's doing. He is defending God's righteousness. And he says God has been perfectly righteous in his dealings with Israel. They, in unbelief, for the most part, have have put themselves out of the picture. But God always has a remnant. And yes, the Redeemer will come. The Messiah will return, and then all Israel will be saved. God is righteous in his dealings with Israel and with every person ever born. Not only would there be no gospel without God's righteousness, there would be no God. God cannot be unrighteous and still be God any more than an ocean can be dry and still be an ocean. This is Peter Silseth, and I would like to welcome you to Verse by Verse, a daily Bible class of the air. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is guiding us into a study of the Book of Romans. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981, and his ministry has now expanded to include these studies brought to you by Verse by Verse Ministries. This is just the second installment in this series of lessons about the Book of Romans. So if you're new to Verse by Verse, this is a great time to get into the habit of listening. We're going to be spending several weeks covering this great book. Pastor Steve is starting out here with a broad overview that will help us later on to keep things in context. In fact, you might want to take notes because Pastor Steve will soon be giving us an outline to help us remember how the book is organized. Let's begin our class now. Here is Pastor Steve. It was the late, great Harry Ironside who was called to witness to a dying man. This man was dying. He didn't have long to live. It was not the time to, uh, to establish a friendship and say, I'll be back to see you. It was a time to jump into the gospel. And to this dying person, Harry Ironside said this. He asked him if he wanted to be saved and go to heaven. Did he want that? Was that his desire? You know what the man responded? He responded by saying, I certainly would, but I don't want God to do anything wrong in saving me. Yes, I want to go to heaven, but not at the expense of God having to do anything wrong in getting me there. That's the heart of Romans. That a righteous God can can save sinners and take them to heaven and still remain righteous and not be tainted by our sin. 
It was the Greek philosopher Socrates who once said, it may be that the deity can forgive sins, but I don't see how. But you and I will see how. You and I will have the opportunity to see how God can forgive sinners by studying the book of Romans, for that is what Romans is all about. What started out from the heart of Paul as a simple commendation of Phoebe to the church at Rome has ended up to be the most important document ever written. If God said to me, Steve, I'm going to strand you on an island the rest of your life, you have one book in the Bible to, to take with you, take your pick. Without any question, it would be Romans. Romans. For if you understand Romans, you understand the rest of the New Testament. If you understand Romans, you understand your faith. If you understand Romans, you understand God's only solution to man's problem of sin. It was the skeptic Renan who is credited with the statement that when Phoebe sailed away from Corinth, she carried beneath the folds of her robe the whole future of Christian theology. There's a great truth to that. Christianity rises and falls on the truth that the righteousness of God is revealed in this gospel. Now, it's important for us to grasp the overall view of Romans, and I think you can see it in a simple outline. By the way, uh, this outline is not original with me. Most of my outlines are. This is unique. This is not original with me. This overall broad outline of Romans, but it will be helpful. It has helped me, and I think it will help you. Chapters 1 through 8 deal with God's righteousness presented. In chapters 1 through 8, the Apostle Paul puts the whole world, specifically the first three chapters, he puts the whole world on trial. And he, and he concludes by evidence that the pagan is a sinner. The Jew is a sinner. The Gentile, upright, moral person is a sinner. He is a ruined sinner. He is a rebellious sinner. The wrath of God rests upon him. He is condemned. But God in his righteousness has provided a way by which they can be righteous. That is the gospel of Christ, the death of our Jesus Christ, the blood shed upon Calvary. But this righteousness, he says, not only affects eternity, it affects our sanctification, our purity of life. And so he explains that Romans chapter 6, that, that we who are saved ought to live unto God and not righteousness, that we who are saved ought to live by the power of the Spirit of God, Romans 7, Romans 8. And then he says, and I think you need to understand this, Romans chapter 8, verses 29, 30, and 31. For, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he may be the firstborn among many brethren. And whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, now listen. Paul takes man where he is, a ruined, condemned sinner with the wrath of God upon him, unfit for the kingdom of God. And he, and he shows that God in his mercy has provided his righteousness. And he takes that ruined sinner all the way from the pit of hell to glorification. All the way from condemnation to glorification. And he says that God has glorified this vessel that originally was unfit for anything but wrath and hell. And that's why he says in verse 31, and I'm sure Paul raised his, his voice if he spoke this out to a secretary to write it down. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? 
God's righteousness has been presented. But then in chapters 9 through 11, Paul assumes that there are Jews. In fact, he knows that there are Jews in this church at Rome. And he assumes that the Jews sitting there say, wait a minute, hold everything. God can't be righteous. This gospel isn't righteous. The Jew steps forward and he says, God hasn't dealt with Israel fairly. He's, he's brought in the Gentiles. God's put Israel aside. Where is Israel in this plan? What about the promises to Israel? Don't say God is righteous when, when you don't include Israel. Paul says, hold everything. Hold everything. Has God been unrighteous, he says? God forbid. Don't even say it. Because in Romans 9, 10, and 11, it's God's righteousness defended. And that's what Paul is doing. Some people think it is parenthetical. In other words, Paul really uh, just put that in there because he had a burden for Israel. Paul didn't write it because he had a, just because he had a burden for Israel. If God has been unrighteous with Israel, then you can throw this gospel right out the door. If God has ever been unrighteous with anyone, then there is no gospel because the gospel is founded upon the righteousness of God. Do you understand? That's what he's doing. He is defending God's righteousness. And he says God has been perfectly righteous in his dealings with Israel. They, in unbelief, for the most part, have, have put themselves out of the picture. But God always has a remnant. And yes, the Redeemer will come. The Messiah will return. And then all Israel will be saved. God is righteous in his dealings with Israel. And then that great verse in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which you must understand the context if you understand the impact of this. He has just explained in chapters 1 through 8, the righteousness of God has been presented. God in his mercy has taken man from a sinful state to a glorified state. God is righteous with Israel. God's promises will come to pass. God, everything God has said, he'll bring to pass. God is perfectly righteous with Israel. Israel can find no fault with God. The fault lies with them as they have forfeited by their own unbelief, these promises. And then he says, I urge you, I plead with you, I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God. What mercies? The mercy to the Gentile, the mercy to the pagan, the mercy to the Jew, the mercy to Israel. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to do one thing. Present your bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice, and that's acceptable to God, and that's your spiritual service of worship. And then he goes on from there, and you know what he's really saying? God's righteousness demonstrated. Demonstrated. This righteous God has put within us his righteousness, and it ought to be demonstrated in the church. It ought to be demonstrated to one another. It ought to be demonstrated as we minister. It ought to be demonstrated as we respond to civil authorities. It is the righteousness of God demonstrated based on the righteousness of God presented and defended. Now, that's Romans in a nutshell. God's righteousness presented, defended, and demonstrated. But, and I'm not sure we're how much we're going to cover on this, but we're going to try to go right through this because I want you to see the whole picture. Maybe you are driving right now and you didn't get that outline written down. We sure don't want you to try to write while you drive. If you have internet access, keep listening at the end of class for an easy-to-remember web address that I'll give you. You can find today's program, as well as many of our previous classes, right there on the website. 
You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. We'll get back to our class on Romans in just a minute. Before we do, though, Pastor Steve has an important announcement. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. I wanted to take a few moments today to tell you how pleased I am that you're listening to Verse by Verse. Our goal here at Verse by Verse is to teach people the Word of God so that they'll be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and glorify God. I hope that you've been learning and growing in your faith as you've listened to our broadcasts. As a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that Verse by Verse needs your financial support. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, which is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you, and may our Lord richly bless and strengthen you as you listen to him speak, verse by verse. Let's get back to class now. We just learned the basic layout of Romans. Now, let's start looking into it in a little more detail. As usual, Pastor Steve will have some helpful personal applications for us as we go. But Paul doesn't get to any of that until chapter 1, verse 18. What's he doing in the first 17 verses? He's not just saying hello not just saying it's me, Paul. He's not just saying sit back and listen. What he's doing is he is gaining an entrance for his message. Most of these people, most of these believers at Rome had never heard of Paul, never met him. I mean, they heard of him. I shouldn't say they never heard of him. They never met him. They didn't know him. He was a stranger to most of them. And what he's going to do in the first 17 verses is attempt to gain the confidence of these believers so that they'll be receptive to his message throughout the letter. Look, before you can ever give anybody the gospel, before you can ever give anybody truth from the word of God, you need to have an audience that wants to listen to you. You can't force people to listen to you. And Paul desperately wants them to understand that he is qualified to present this gospel. In their minds, they must have asked, who is this guy? Who does he think we are? We got a church already? He didn't start us. He has, he has no authority over us here. Who is he? He's a Jew from Palestine. That's where he's been. He's a Jew who's been ministering in Asia Minor. He's neglected us. What right does he have to tell us the gospel? Now, Paul has every right. He is an apostle of Christ. But Paul doesn't pull authority. He doesn't pull rank. He is qualified to communicate this because he is a called apostle but he wants them to know he's qualified. He wants them to, to be receptive. He wants them to open their hearts to his message, and so he gives a five-fold presentation to acquaint them with himself and with his message. He, first of all, tells them that he is qualified because he has the right credentials. Then he tells them that he has the right content of his message. Then the right commission. He's been commissioned by God to do this. Then the right concerns. He loves them. He's concerned about them. And then the right confidence. Let's look at the right credentials as we get into this letter. Verse 1, 
Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. By the way, I don't want to scare you. We will do this as a survey, and we will go slower through the rest of the book. He says, first of all, I'm a, I'm a slave of Christ. I'm a bondservant. What are his credentials? He's a servant. To the Roman people, they would certainly understand what Paul was talking about. There were 600,000 slaves in the Roman Empire. Uh, rather, there were 600,000 slaves in Rome alone. Six million slaves throughout the Roman Empire. They would understand that. Paul's saying, I'm a bond slave. He says, I'm, I'm a called apostle. I've been sent. That's what apostle means. I've been sent from God to do whatever Christ has said to do. I'm his slave. And I've been sent from him. And I've been sent to give a special message. And what is that message? He says, I've been set apart for the gospel of God. He says, I'm a representative of Christ. I'm a slave. I've been sent with a message. That message is the gospel. It's not to make you feel better. It's not to uh, pass legislation in Rome. It's not to make working conditions better. It's not to make laws better. I've been set apart to give you the message of the gospel. Now, I think this is very important. And I think all of this, what we're going to cover in the next few minutes, are principles whereby if you want to gain an entrance for your either a gospel witness or a teaching, you must have these. You must have the right credentials. You must have the right uh, concerns. You must have all of these things that we'll go over. This applies to us. Let me tell you how this applies. So I don't know if I have the right credentials. You know what most people think the right credentials are? You have to be a scholar. You have to be a doctor of theology. You have to be a reverend. Even that term goes against my grain. Because only God is reverend. That's like calling somebody holy. You have to be a pastor. You have to be a, a, a minister. Some people think that if you don't have those credentials, you can't speak for Christ. Paul used none of that. He said, I am a slave, a servant. That's it. I remember one time I was sharing the gospel in my office a number of years ago. And in the middle of the gospel being presented, this man stopped me. And he said, wait a minute. Are you ordained? I said, yes. Like it really mattered. I, but it mattered to him. I said, yes. He said, okay, go ahead. <laughs> you see, in his mind, he was saying, do you have the right credentials? The only credentials you and I need is that we're slaves of Jesus Christ and we've been sent by him. Maybe you're not one of the 12 or 13 apostles, but you've been sent by him and you have been set apart primarily in this life to present the gospel. You haven't been set apart for your job, although that's important. You haven't been set apart for other. It is the gospel that you have been set apart to proclaim. So Paul says, I have the right to proclaim. I have the right credentials. I'm a slave of Christ. I do what he, what he says. But the question is, what does he say to do? He says to present the message. And their question in their mind was, what's the content? Is it consistent with what we've believed? And Paul says, yes, I have the right, I have the right message. I have the right content. Look at verse 2. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Paul says, this isn't anything new. What I'm saying to you is not original. You see, to the Jew at that church, he would say, are you coming with some new philosophy? And Paul says, no, it's based on your scriptures. So the Gentile who would be saying, is this some philosophical thing? Is this some, some Greek thinking? And Paul says, no, I'm not making this up. Its basis is in the Old Testament scriptures. See, Paul's role was simply to proclaim a message from God that had already been revealed in the Old Testament. 
And he was to make it known in light of the facts of, of Christ's coming, his life, and his death, and his resurrection. And that's why he says in verse 3 and 4, he says, this is what the message is. This is the content concerning his son who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, who was declared to be uh, declared with power to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I want you to get the larger picture. We could spend weeks on this, on these two verses alone, but I want you to see it as a unit. What's he saying? He's saying the content of the gospel is Jesus Christ. The man, son of David, the man, son of God, God in flesh, declared to be the son of God by the resurrection, which Jesus said in John chapter 2 was the ultimate sign, the resurrection. He's simply saying, look, the content of my gospel is the person of Christ based on the word of God. That's really all that he's saying. That's the heart of it. Paul made sure that he preached the right content. In fact, he said, if anybody doesn't preach this message, this content needs to be accursed. This is our message. The message that Christ died, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he's the God-man. That's our message based on the scriptures. You preach that message? I know you want to preach that message, but how many times we get sidetracked? Someone raises an objection. Someone tells us, well, what about so-and-so? And we get off on tangents, and we're speaking about this movement and that movement, what God's going to do with the heathen and, and all these things. And Listen, the message, the content is Christ. Not even your testimony, not even your experience with Christ. It is Christ and Christ alone based on the word of God. That is the content. And people will not give you a hearing. They will not be interested in listening to anything else but the word of God. The content of our gospel is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul's got the right credentials. He has the right content. What about the commission? What about the, they're wondering, well, why come here to Rome? Why come? Paul says in verses 5 through 7, through whom we have received, that is, through the resurrected Christ, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake, among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called the saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the right commission. I want you to understand something. Paul is saying, I belong in Rome. I'm not a stranger. I belong there. I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. And you, he says, are primarily a Gentile church. I belong there. That's the commission. But watch. He says, and this is what arrested my attention, verse 5, for his name's sake. When he was converted, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Paul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And you're going to tell them about me for my name's sake. And Paul says, that's my commission. I have a right to be here. I'm doing it for the glory of God. That's Paul's reason. That's his purpose. That's his commission. Not to build a name for himself. Not to build a great church. Not even primarily to, to see people saved. But primarily for his name's sake. As someone has said, he wanted more people who are going to join in in eternity in the Hallelujah Chorus. To the praise of his glory. You see, our commission is to speak as a slave of Christ. To speak the right message. His message about him. And it's to do it for the right reason, the glory of God. As we have seen, Paul was well qualified to write with authority to the church in Rome. 
He had the right credentials, the content, and the right commission. In our next verse-by-verse, Pastor Steve will consider Paul's concern for the Roman Christians. Why should they pay any attention to him if he didn't care about them? Paul needed to demonstrate his concern to gain their trust. Thank you for joining us for another verse-by-verse radio Bible class. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. Now his clear expository messages make the transition to the world of radio through verse-by-verse ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you, who we hope are first faithful to their own local churches. If you would like to hear today's broadcast again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also offer previous classes on the archives page, as well as other services on the website. That's versebyverseradio.org. Today's lesson was the middle of a three-part message. To hear the entire message at one time, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a phone number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Join us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.